You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Oh, how are we doing? Well, originally, uh, I'm, I'm from England. Uh, my dad is African-American. My mother is white Caucasian, English, like blue-white. I will show you pictures during the rib cookout. My wife is Puerto Rican and some native Indian in there, and she just found out she's got a lot of African in her. My sister, my sister. So Puerto Rican, native, Native American, African, British. Uh, and my kids are confused. My name is Marvin Lucas. We are currently in the Little Rock Church. We uh, lead and serve out there, a very small congregation. We've been all over. We've uh, led churches in Boston, Houston, Dallas, um, where else? London. We did a little ministry out in London, uh, Little Rock. I think I'm missing somewhere. Los Angeles, of course. Uh, Cerritos. Come on, Cerritos. Back in the day. But today we're going to start off in Matthew uh, chapter 20. And the title of my message today is In the Heat of the Day. I know, in the heat of this auditorium. So we can relate. Now I told, told Steve maybe we should turn the heaters on so they could really connect with the message this morning. Yes. All right, Matthew 20 in verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in the vineyard. So the kingdom, this is about the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. Everything that God touches falls under his realm or reign. And the church is a part of that. So this parable is about the kingdom of God. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them out into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. When you understand that, doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around doing nothing. He asked them, why have you been standing, standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When the, the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers 
and pay them their wages. Begin with the last ones hired going on to the first. The workers who had hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. That's not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. And we've got no grumblers in the audience today, have we? Not at all. Never. We're going to have fun today. It says, these men who were hired last, you have made them equal to us who have borne the burdens of the work in the what? In the heat of the day. The tough stuff. Gets a little bit toasty around here, doesn't it? Nobody wants to go out in the heat of the day. Sometimes we send other people out in the heat of the day. We will pay people to work in the heat of the day. Sometimes that can be a kingdom thing. We will pay things, we will donate, but we won't do the work ourselves. Things that make you go, hmm. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give a man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Let's break this down. Got a little PowerPoint. I know. Me educated, educated. All right, let's go through this real quick. So we have the owner of the vineyard. All right, he goes out several times. Everyone in the, who's not in the vineyard is standing around. If you're not in the kingdom of God, you're standing around. If you're not in the kingdom of God, you're doing nothing. You may be busy, but in the long run, you're doing nothing. If you think you're visiting here today and say, well, let me just come to church and go about my busyness of my life, that is nothing compared to the kingdom of God. A lot of us, even in the kingdom, we get sucked into the activities of life and understand that's just fleeting. God has called us all who are in the kingdom to work for him. Can I get an amen to that? A denarius. We all get a denarius. The heat of the day. Happiness and attitudes. There's a mix here. The young people are like, I only worked an hour. (laughs) Hey, look what I got. And then you have people who are there all day long. Some of us like the older folk. I've been around 27 years. Some of you guys have been around longer. I was 1991, I was baptized here in Los Angeles. Amen. And the church was only a few hundred at the time. Yeah. That was before it moved to the uh, Shrine Auditorium. What's it, Wilton, Wilton yeah. Theater? 
Yeah. We go way back in Los Angeles. I'll share some pictures later on, too. All together now. Uh oh. My goodness. <laughs> There's those who work longer. Why, then this is a good question. Why would the landowner, why would the landowner say pay the younger people first? That just creates attitudes. Interesting, huh? They could have paid the older ones first, got them out of the way, make sure they got down the road, and then before you know it, they just pay off the younger ones. And there's, there's no drama. I'll come back to that in a little bit. But the funny thing about it is, with older sons, people who have been around older, longer, it's funny how there's just a biblical theme that God loves messing with the older folk. The prodigal son, Esau, Cain, I could go on and on and on. Sometimes God just likes to mess with the older folk. Just to see if that Jesus is still Lord and the Denerai is still enough. Because sometimes we forget what we have been given. Because the heat of the day tarnishes our salvation. Where are you at today? The kingdom of God, the landowner is God. He wants all to be saved. If you're visiting here today, it's not by happenstance you're here. It's God calling you into his kingdom. One, we've got to live a purposeful life for Jesus. We've got a promise of salvation. Trials and challenges will happen in the kingdom, and that's what I'm going to do today. I'm actually going to share this last 27 years in the church. A lot of good that Steve shared, but also a lot of painful things. But I also believe if we're going to make it to the end, we've got to stand the heat. Young and old, older Christians, test for those who are older, and this is a constant theme in the Bible. You can take a picture of that. You got it? I can also send you this, too. You're welcome. Remember this? This is probably the second scripture I've ever read. As, as I grew up as an atheist, so I never read the Bible. This is, you know, I am indebted to this fellowship. See, a lot of us may have issues with this fellowship, but I owe my salvation to it. Front row's fired up. Thank you. If you're a disciple, yeah, you got to realize there's sinners in this church. And I'm one of them. Even as a younger minister, I, I, I look back the way I treated people as a younger minister, and I just grimace. I can't believe I treated people this way. That's the reason why they moved me out to Texas. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Have a nice day. Then he said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
Did we honestly thought that this journey would be easy? You honestly thought that you would go through this without any heat, without any work or trials or tribulations? It just doesn't happen that way. There's a warning for older Christians in this parable. We're once fired up and grateful. Is a denarius still enough? Is it salvation plus? I've got to have the house, the car, the job, the title, the career, the ac- academia. I've got to have all that. Then I will be happy. Salvation should be enough. A denarius should be enough. Can I get an amen to that? God didn't promise an easy life. We're tested by God on our motives constantly. Salvation is not enough. We expect more. We complain against God when we lose our gratitude. Some of us lose our gratitude when our latte is not made correctly. (laughs) Just can't believe it! You know what she did? Some of us have lost our way, lost the value of salvation. Ageism, as we get older, we tend to look at younger people differently. Injustices and tests been tested. Reluctant to work for the vineyard owner because of the heat and the trials and tribulations. We bring worldly measures into the church. This is cool. You like this. Not a lot, but you like it. You ready? All right. Let's look at the worldly comparisons compared to the kingdom. A limited workforce. You can't hire everybody. Always going to be a measure of unemployment. Not everybody. There's a pay scale in the world. We're paid by hours. We're paid by experience. We're paid by ex- education. Our attitude has to be competitive. We have to have the right attitude to be hired. It's humanistic. You've got to work. The great thing in the kingdom of God, all can work in the vineyard. Can you get an amen to that? That's good news. All gets the same. Everybody gets a denarii. Hours mean nothing. You could be there 11 hours or one hour. It means absolutely nothing. Experience means nothing. That just messes us up. All the focus like, no, no, I've been around, and this is what I did. I've gone to all these churches. I lived this. I, you know, I know this person and that person and that person. I'm more. No, you're just in the vineyard, and you're working. Repent and get to work. Education means nothing in the kingdom of God. Gratitude, no grumbling. And it's spiritual. It's about loving one another and salvation. Nothing more, nothing less. Unfortunately, our worlds get blurred between the kingdom of God and the world. A lot of times we bring our measures of who we are into the kingdom of God and it dilutes the power and the awesomeness of God's kingdom. There's a warning to all. God wants everyone to be in his kingdom. 
Everything else is just standing around and doing nothing. When you are, and again, if you look at everything that you do, how is that helping the kingdom of God? Some of us, this is, this is maybe the most we do for the kingdom of God when we sit here for two hours, or an hour and a half, or an hour and 46 minutes and 30 seconds. I looked at the schedule. I'm sorry, it twitched right there. We cannot be ineffective in the kingdom of God. Challenges in the kingdom of God is the heat. The day is almost over. The question I have for you who are visiting today, how do you not know that this is your 11th hour? How do you not know that God, knowing that something may happen to you, in the next hour of your life, and he's calling you to his kingdom right now. Do you know that? Are you that person standing in the marketplace, and Jesus is coming as the sun is setting in your life, and he's asking you today to come and work in my vineyard? Whoever brought you here today, you need to ask them, help me to get into God's awesome kingdom. Can you get an amen to that? Oh, this is cool. You like this. Picture time. Ta-da! This is my wife's baptism off Santa Monica, not off Santa Monica Pier, on the side of Santa Monica Pier. <laughs> well, you didn't know her. You didn't know her before she came in the church. I mean, we were looking for the deep. She, we should have just thrown her off at the end of the pier. So much sin. So much. <sighs> So this is April 21st. This is me. I had actually, well, long story. I don't have much time. It's not a long story. It is a long story, but I'll make it short. <laughs> I was an atheist at the time. I hadn't even studied the Bible at that time. I did everything in my power to get, get my girlfriend at the time out of the church. I remember sitting there in a similar meeting like this, and they were all singing it, songbooks and everything, and I remember when the guy started preaching, and I didn't have a Bible, of course, and the guy pushed his Bible over there, I'll share, and I just pushed it back. <laughs> Everybody got up to sing, I sat down. Absolutely. <laughs> they had to catapult me off the end of the pier. She was dropped, I was catapulted. Now look at the dates here. You ready for this? Here comes my baptism date. Bam! Thank you! Thank you. Oh, hold on. That was me uh, about 100 pounds ago. One week. One week. One. How can God move a non-believing heart 
and in one week getting baptized, catapulted off the Santa Monica Pier. I'll tell you later. (laughs) The great thing about being a non-believer, you're a blank slate. I studied on that Monday, and I knew that it was my 11th hour. I'm like, you know what, Marvin? I don't know what God telling me. He says, Marvin, this is it. And I truly believe it. This was it. I'm like, you know what? You're a heathen. You're a pagan. You're an alcoholic. You're messing around. You're cheating on your girlfriend. I had three other relationships there. I, I was a mess. And I knew deep in my heart, Marvin, if you don't do it now, your 11th hour is almost up. So I studied on Monday. Then I think I studied that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like hours, read for hours, and I was baptized on that Sunday. That was 27 years ago. God is good. God is good. I want to talk about the heat in the kingdom when it comes to me. I've had friends falling away. And it was shocking, I shared this a couple of weeks ago in Memphis. When I look at my our wedding photo, I had about six or seven groomsmen and maybe a best man. All of them have left the church. Every single one of them. That's tough. It's tough looking at you. Know, it's a, it's a, a, a moment of celebration and you get the photos like... We've got laid off, we got fired. Got fired in, pretty much in Los Angeles here. Thank you very much for believing in us. <laughs> Haven't been back since. Appreciate your faith in us. Add that to the list. <laughs> we got laid off in Boston. It's so funny, I, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. It's, you can actually, the point in the ministry, you're both employed. But just imagine both of you losing your jobs on the same day. Just imagine you, do, you got your profession. You're, honey, you wouldn't, wouldn't know what happened to me today. I got laid off. Really? That's what happened to me today. I got laid off too. I stopped. My son, appreciate his spirit. His tenacity. But he has, a, he has a lot of learning challenges. But it hasn't stopped him. He still has goals in his life. He still, you know, keeps out there. He, he's constantly active with his friends. It's, it's challenging for him. And obviously what he's doing next week with the LA Galaxy is, is phenomenal. And this is something that he has pursued. And it's just great to see him exercising in the heat. It's great. You can give him a round of applause. I'm proud of him. Injustices, racism. Well, Marvin, you're, you're just not, you know, you're not black enough. You're not really white. You know, how can we have you come up and do the minority prayer when we don't know who you are? 
Hi, Steve. Yeah, well, he, at least he was dark enough, you know. <laughs> I'm just kind of feeling him. I, he's English, he's not American, he's not black, he's not white. What were you going to do with you? <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Uh, you don't know this story. So I get baptized, like, a week ago, I'm, I'm, I just picked up the Bible. And then it's my wife's birthday on the 30th of April. And I'm thinking to myself, what should I do? Because we've gone through so much. I had confessed all my sin, all my cheating and everything. And, and I was like, okay, what, what, what? it's a birthday. What, what, can we, what can I buy her? And I thought, an engagement ring. I didn't talk to her soul. Didn't even talk to her mom. I just got an engagement ring. And we're at the Red Lobster in Beverly Hills, living it up. And I got this ring, and, and I was waiting for the right moment. I get, you know, and Red Lobster, I get down on my knee, and I opened up. I'm shaking. You know, you shake. Were you shaking? Stick? No, you don't, you don't get nervous. And we were just in bliss. And then one of the leaders said, he's already been baptized three days. And he sought no advice. Back to the pier. <laughs> Cannon this time, man. And the guy pulls me aside, one of the leaders, and he said, what you did is unspeakable. Your relationship will be cursed because you did not seek advice. That's one way to kill a moment. <laughs> that leaves a scar. And I'm not innocent. I won't go to that extreme, but I said some stupid stuff, harsh stuff. I mean, talk about zealot leadership. It was, we were out there. I had my life threatened in Texas a couple of times. My wife's scared. This is people in the church. <laughs> they have guns in Texas. <laughs> Wife's scared to leave the house. This is in the vineyard. I've had times of discouragement, times of thinking about should I keep leading, keeping the ministry. It's just a lot of things. I've shut down and, and gone into self-survival, and it's just been tough. But the question is, is the denarius still enough? Do you run for the shade, or do you turn up the heat? In our older ages, are we in the shade now? We're like, uh, who was it, Jonah? Am I right? Yeah, under the bush, and it kind of shrivels up. Or do you turn up the heat? In 2010, I hit a spiritual wall in my 40s. I had stagnant faith, predictable life. Kids were entitled. Couldn't beat them anymore. <laughs> Too big. Take that off the tape, please. 
I don't want DHS to be calling my house. Okay. Are we streaming live? Hi, hi world. Comfortable. We had a 2,800 square foot home, two cars, living the American dream. We were the first ones in our family to own a home. None of our family have ever done that before. I was frustrated. I was more scared about my faith than my future. Does that ring a little bit? More scared about my faith than my future. And I didn't know what to do. I'm gonna have my wife come on up. Come on up, hon. And she's gonna share. Are you clapping her or me? Her or me? Her or me? You know I have a low self-esteem, so I need all the encouragement I can get. No, no, no! Hi, Ann. Ain't she beautiful? to be with you guys. I just have to say what a blessing it is for my family to be here and enjoying sweet fellowship with our awesome brothers and sisters here. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. We have our sweet little motley crew of 30. I said 30. In Little Rock. In Little Rock. Yeah. And um, it's particularly encouraging even to have a high school buddy here with me too. Uh, we went to Fairfax High School. Her name is Cynthia Brown. She's waving. Hi, Cynthia. And uh, she's visiting you. with us. So it's awesome just to have Cynthia with us today too. But um, just to share a little bit about my heat of the day. Um, certainly, Anybody that's been in the kingdom and the church for a little while has gone through something because just life happens. And I wasn't plugging my book, but I mean it, just life happens. And um, just, you know, I won't go back through all of it, but I could just talk about particularly when we were in Dallas. So we were really at a cozy place. And that's the operative word, cozy. Um, the church was doing outstanding. We had about 300 members. Um, of course, we had administrative staff. I had interns, very busy. I think I had about like 180 women. I mean, just busy times. I had two small kids at the time because when we first moved to Dallas, um, they were, let me see, not even one and close to three. So just busy times. And um, it was, you know, a, an incredible time. It went from, if you would, the armpit of the church. It wasn't doing well. And Sally, that was their nickname. Oh, the South region, the armpit of the church. They weren't doing too well. But God had worked it out, turned it around, and then they became like a really great beacon of hope and light to the church. They were baptizing. They were generous. I mean, we were watching people, um, you know, get married and date and their kids get baptized. Just a beautiful family community as the kingdom should be. Really, there was no reason for us to move. On paper, we were hooked up, the holy hookup. There was no reason for us to move. So... Anyway, what had happened, and then also, goodness, we finally got out of debt. Debt ain't fun. So we finally got out of debt after many years of being in debt. And so I was just in this cozy place in my sweet little home that I adored. And, you know, we finally got out of debt, and we had a really great ministry home. So we had tons of people in the house all the time. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little tore up when you get people in the house all the time. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to do some refurbishment in the home. I'm going to redo my kitchen. I had all these little ideas for the, you know, extra coin that we had now. God was like, yes. Oh, you know that money that you're going to put into your house? Give it to me. Plant a church in England on your own dime and leave. 
<laughs> that wasn't my plan. So here it is. God put it on our heart to go and start a church in my husband's hometown, something that we had always wanted to do. We held a garage sale. We got rid of all of our stuff. Like I said, it was almost a 3,000 square foot home, family of four. We condensed it all into that little bit of luggage that you saw. Right I think it's like eight pieces of luggage. That's it. That's what God put on our heart to do. And I'm really grateful that we did that because honestly, I was spiritually bored. I was spiritually bored. Things had gotten predictable. I'm like, okay, midweek, Wednesday, church, Sunday, this Bible study, that. I mean, just things had gotten too predictable. And I was just feeling like, uh, and we had been there eight years. And so God was definitely knocking on the doors of our heart and saying, yeah, it's time to keep the party rolling. And so we did. So here we were. Our kids were 8 and 11 years old. We moved across the pond, you know, ripped them from all their comfort. They had their friends and all their, you know, fun things. And then we moved into that London flat. A flat is what they call an apartment. That was our sweet little place on the second floor. We went from almost 3,000 square foot to about 900 square foot. And I tell you what, it was outstanding. I mean, once we landed there, I just looked around with, you know, our meager means and just thought, this is good. This is good. And I felt very liberated. And it's not like I came from wealth. I mean, my mom was a single mom. She had me when she was 18. We moved from New York here to LA. That's how I got here. And we lived, you know, in a Spanish ghetto out there in LA, had drug dealers on the street, prostitutes up the road. So it wasn't like I came from money. So to be able to leave the comfort that we were able to establish to go to the bare bones was all God. Talk about go anywhere, do anything, give up everything. Yes, Lord, I'll still do it. So here we were, our little mission team, all uh, four of us. Woo! Because it's not like we had, you know, a big missions fund and we had, you know, a missions team. Can I add something? Go ahead. My hometown, in 2011, they went to every major city in the United Kingdom and it was voted the most irreligious city in the United Kingdom. And as he pride themselves on being anti-religion, they were the only city in 1216 to be excommunicated by the Pope. hate it when that happens. You shouldn't be going around killing priests. Note to self. So they actually pride themselves. So this is where we were going. So talk about get out of the comfort zone. Yes. So here I was in his hometown. Now, mind you, I'm not kidding you. A good, what, 95% yeah. of the place is white, 98%. English, blue blood. White. Blue white. Just blue white. By my mom. I'm not kidding you. And here I am, bigger than life, tall black American chick with a mouth. Right. And they're looking at me like, who are you and where have you come from? <laughs> But you know, it was awesome because either they really liked me or they really didn't. I was kind of like, you know, their, their sweet little pet. Come, you must meet my American friend. <laughs> Fine, whatever, whatever I need to do for the kingdom. Come on, you know. So it was just really a great time and God definitely helped build the church. And, um, you know, that was definitely a small little part of some of the heat of the things that I went through. Am I still sharing or are you sharing this I'll, part? I'll, I'll, so um, <laughs> I'm just grateful that uh, God worked it out. That was another little heat moment. I'll just share this last bit. Um, so we were there for the first eight months and no one had come to faith. And I was pretty frustrated with God. I'm like, God, 
Didn't we have a little deal here? Go anywhere, do anything, give up everything. I'm trying to make disciples for you and nobody's become a Christian. Hello? I was really not feeling it and I was really getting aggravated with my sweet little English people because they were just, again, not religious and very insular in that particular community. They really didn't need anyone. They had their family and friends. If they had to travel 15 minutes, it was too far. I'm not kidding you, it's this serious. And so I just was about over it. I wanted to wring their face. It wasn't pretty. It, it wasn't pretty, but God worked it out. And after eight months, you know, of being in the field, then he started bringing the fruit. Amen. So amen, thanks for letting me share. And this is, thank you. We had, um, this is one that we actually had, we got up to like three house churches this is one of them. We're dismantling furniture to put the people in there. And most of the converts are actually atheists. They never read the Bible before, and God really blessed it. There is a church in Norwich, England. None of you know where that is. In Norwich, England, there, there would not be a church. There would, hadn't been a church for, for, for many, many years. So that's pretty cool. Um, this is us seven years ago on the pier. That was our 20-year anniversary. I remember that. We were here. That was when we visited. But you can't win today's battles on yesterday's victories. That's the problem for some of us. We got these old stories. When I was in campus, when I was a single, they're getting old. You can't live, <laughs> you can't fight today's battles on yesterday's victories. And that story was four years ago. And the question is, what is God doing today? I'm going to move pretty quickly here. Um, we're still battling with a lot of stuff. My wife has bouts of depression. I'm part-time in the ministry right now. Uh, four years in Little Rock. Even in Little Rock, we've only had one baptism in 17 months. That's, as a leader, what, what, you know, even about last Christmas, I was like, at the end of the day, I said, guys, Am I the right person to lead you? I put, put myself out there. Because it's God's church. I got four jobs right now. I'm Jamaican man. <laughs> Whopping man. And you got to learn to embrace the heat. This is my kids' baptisms back in 2016. They just celebrated two years. My daughter can come on up. Even uh, I appreciate my wife keeping... Despite the heat, she uh, uh, met and baptized a, a friend a couple of months ago, Allison. In, in spite of everything we've gone through, God can still, you've got to keep on working. Okay? If you've been around a while, keep on working. Um, oh, these are our books. We'll sell them later. Communion. Um, actually, my, my daughter wrote a um, poem. Uh, to celebrate our two-year anniversary in, in the Lord. She's only 16. So I'll let her, I think it's called um, Dear God. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Dear God, it's me. I know you called me to pick up my cross daily, but I get tired sometimes. The isolation, the distrust, the self-denial, the hate, and I know you said this walk would be lonely. 
but I didn't know it would be like this. People want to see me fail. People hate me, God, and I know they hated your son first, dear God. I know you're up there. Even if my textbook erases every trace of you, you're there. You've always been there. Because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, God, you're everywhere. Even in time, because before common era and common era are still just separated by the birth of Christ, dear God. I hope to make my body a slave to your precepts and decrees. I pray that I will be able to hang with you on my darkest days and rejoice on the lightest. I pray that I will be able to thank you through the storms and not only the blessings. Because unfortunately, blessings don't build character. But we are blessed under adversity, dear God. I hope my love for you will stay pure and naive. No matter how many people say it's irresponsible, I pray that my passion for you will burn the same from baptism to eternity. I pray that I will always find comfort in your arms no matter how lost, scared, or confused I am. I pray that I can dedicate my mind and spirit wholly to you and that I can follow in the shadow of your son, dear God. I hope to be a willing vessel for you. I pray that you will send me anywhere that you need me, no matter my feelings or comforts. I pray that I can be out of my mind for you. Because being in my right mind only pleases other people, and you cannot please heaven and earth at the same time, dear God. I pray to be broken. I pray that your right hand will lift me up from the ashes. I pray to be nothing. I pray to mean nothing to this world. If that means there's something for me in heaven, I pray to be groomed to take the lashes. If that means to take the crown, I pray to smile through the pain. And even if I cry, I pray that I will still remember your promises, dear God. I pray to love my enemies. I pray for every person who got a tear out of me. I pray for my scars that they can be a testament to others that Christ can fix all. I pray for their pain. I pray that they can find hope and happiness in you. I pray that my grace will be a testament to your everlasting love, dear God. I thank you for your mercy and endless love. I thank you for the sacrifice of your son. I pray my life can be dedicated to that sacrifice, dear God. Let us pray for communion. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much for my daughter's heart. Uh, you've uh, uh, given that, her that wisdom beyond her, her years. Um, even being 16, she, she has faced the heat. It's hard to be a teenager in this secular world. It's hard to... Um, pick up these textbooks and see what is in them. There's, God is not in them. Um, God, I just pray that you will uh, uh, stir the hearts of the old ones. Um, stir the hearts that we can dream again. Stir the hearts that we can hope for others again. That we will look in the marketplace because there are people just standing around doing nothing. 
And there's nothing better than being in your kingdom. God, thank you so much that your son died for us. Your son uh, shedded his blood and he took on the heat. The cross was the greatest heat. And because of that blood, it gives us solace. God, thank you so much that we can come together as a family. And I just pray for those who are visiting today that maybe they are in the 11th hour. And I just pray that they will seek out your vineyard to work in your vineyard today. God, thank you so much for your son, the sacrifice, the love, taken on the heat while on the cross to give us the peace, joy, and grace we feel today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.